don't you tell the audience about what we experienced tonight? Oh. So this gentleman, we were at uh, the gym right before the show, as we do. And so he comes over, and he just starts chatting us up. And at first, I'm like, okay, it's a nice old guy. Nothing weird about that. He's just saying hi, being friendly. You know, that happens when you go to the gym. You see a familiar face, and they might say hi to you. But then it started to get pretty awkward because he started to talk about a karate dojo in Temecula that he thought maybe we would be wanting to go to. A specifically Christian. A Christian martial yeah. arts dojo. So he was a Christian, but he uh, he really um, tried to sell it. And so he got Chuck over here to actually try to attack him. <laughs> yeah. He... He sort of posts it up and he goes, okay, pretend like you're going to come at me. Yeah. And I was a little hesitant because I really didn't want to get into this with him. But I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to err on the side of niceness here. And so I cocked my fist back and with lightning quickness, <laughs> he had this knife edge hand at, your at face. my neck. And no, he, it was like your eye level. Yeah. Uh, uh, from my view. And know. he let out this primal shout yeah! that echoed through the gym yeah. and every single eye in that place was upon us even people with headphones on i was mortified it, i was mortified this guy and then that wasn't it he kind of took over for me at one point when i was spotting for you yeah and he kind of was like he's like no offense but let me get this one i'm gonna spot this one and uh kind of pushed you i mean it's good somebody pushed you i probably don't push you enough but uh well i push myself that's true yeah and then he kind of went away and then he came back and i excused myself to the restroom <laughs> so you had a nice little one-on-one -on -one chat with him so at one Continued. point rex turns to me and he just says this is why i don't talk to people <laughs> yeah anyways so we can probably get started now that we are sans distractions all right i got i got the intro. the intro you know where you're going right. okay if i if i screw it up it's only episode five nobody cares <laughs> wow <laughs> that's a great attitude we have, have excuses fantastic. we just got to get to episode seven that's mm. the mark right if, sure. if you get past sure. seven then your podcast is doing pretty good that's yeah. the mark okay. that's what i heard all right i heard that on another podcast well oh. good for you okay. yeah. glad, glad you're putting in that kind of time i am man <laughs> I do my research. Uh, okay. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is episode five. I am Rex, and with me is my co-host, Chucky McChuckerson. Hello, everyone. Don't ever call me that again. <laughs> and with me is the never late Nate the Great. I wouldn't say I'm never late, but thank you. <laughs> and tonight we are talking about jobs we were talking about past experiences maybe current ones yeah it it wasn't planned this way but it actually works out in a nice coincidence because today is veterans day and that is one of the previous jobs i had right uh was being part of our nation's military so i am a veteran and and, and it fits right that we would be talking about past jobs on a day that celebrates one of my past jobs yeah that's pretty neat we yeah. didn't plan that, but it happened. So I'm just going to start with a basic question. What was your first job? Oh, fun. Uh, my first job. Uh, actually, I worked at Best Buy. I thought 
Well, let me put it this way. When I got out of high school, I kind of barely made it out of high school. And I had the option of I can probably go to community college because I could make that work financially. I was not going to get financial aid to like a nicer college. So I told myself I could either go to community college and continue with the school thing that I'm not doing very well at. Um, or I can just immediately go out and get a job and start making money into 18-year-old Rex. That sounded like a good plan. What's funny about that is I did awesome in school. Yeah. I took advanced classes. I was a straight-A student, played sports, was in a couple of clubs. And I didn't get any scholarship offers either. Hmm. That's a big part of the reason I ended up in the military. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that story later. Yeah. So you started making money. You were an earner. I was, what did you do at Best Buy? I was a part-time uh, media department employee. So basically, I picked the department of the video games and music because those were things that I was into. That was basically my whole life at that point uh, as far as hobbies go. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to work at Best Buy. I'm going to sell video games. I'm going to sell CDs. But... As some of you probably know by now, if you've at all listened to the podcast or if you know me, this was a terrible job for me because that meant I had to work with the general public. And as an 18-year-old introvert who was very shy and didn't like people, that was a poor choice. The same Rex who Nate and I saw in your made-at-home movie where you were this paramilitary captain... (laughs) leading the charge against this terrible monster yeah uh-huh. skinny little guy in camo pants uh-huh. kind of a spaz that's yeah, the guy that who's be. selling people oh gosh i don't even know what games world of warcraft let's say yeah actually i think that was right that was right when world of warcraft was coming out i was playing that i was playing lineage 2 and i was playing everquest good games <laughs> yeah how'd you end up at best buy why out of all the jobs you could have picked did you pick that one well, again, because I, I thought, you know, I'm a nerd, I'm into computers and stuff like that. I thought, you know, I would really enjoy the environment of working at Best Buy. And I also knew that you didn't need any kind of formal education. You just kind of needed, I don't even know if you needed a GED or not, but uh, maybe not. Judging by some of my coworkers, I think not. <laughs> and uh, so I just thought that would be a good fit for me. I lasted about three months, and then I think I started in, like, September, and by December, I was uh, done. I think I just kind of missed a few days of work and decided, you know what, I don't want to go back. I'll look for a different job that isn't quite so open to the public, because I quickly learned that that was not my thing. So, not exactly what we would call a graceful exit. No, no, 18-year-old, well, maybe I had just turned 19, 19-year-old Rex was not uh, was not a model employee. Gosh, I almost wondered, because my wife worked at Best Buy, too, and... Do you know what years? Or which store? Was it the one? I mean, the only one in our area at that time, I'm pretty sure... Well, I guess there was one. Well, there's one in South. There was Temecula. one on Southside Temecula, and yeah. then there's the one in Marietta on Madison. And that, that's the one I worked at. I, I gotta believe that's the same one she worked at. Do you know when? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what years. Maybe she'll chime in on the live feed and let us know. But, yeah, uh, we'll have to find out. But I know. I know she worked there. I wonder if you guys were there at the same time. Oh, I'd be so embarrassed. I can't if remember. She remembered me. I can't remember what oh. she did, but 
Funny enough, uh, she also worked at, at Lowe's I at one point. I feel like point, she told me, so. oh, maybe it was Lowe's, but I thought she mentioned at one point that she was like customer service or something. Yeah, she probably was. But maybe that was Lowe's. See, she has almost the exact opposite uh, skill set when dealing with the general public that you do. Which is, she has a skill set? Yeah, she okay. actually has one and she enjoys it, you know. Um, obviously, as a nurse, she has to work with people all the time, uh, mm. particularly even hostile people, you know, mm. uh, people who are just rot with concern because this is their kid that's in the hospital, you know. And yeah. Obviously, no level of care is too high. So, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy, man. Like, my my first job, I felt so cool because of what my job was. Because I wasn't spinning signs on a corner. Yeah. I wasn't flipping hamburgers. I wasn't, you know, selling video games at Best Buy. Um, hey. All right. No, that's fair. I My first job was actually in journalism. The first job I ever got paid to do was sports writing for a little local rag called the Valley News, uh, which I'm pretty sure is still in publication. I think you can still find it. I don't think they sell it anymore. I think now it's like they just give it away for free and then they make all their money off ad space. So if you walk into, say, a, a Siggy's or a Yellow Basket, you might see a stack of Valley News newspapers I there. I might have to look for that. Yeah. Uh, it's You know, it's all local, right? So all the sports were local. It was like Temecula Valley High, Great Oak, Chaparral. I think the furthest I had to go was Temescal Canyon or maybe Elsinore. And I got paid $10 an hour. Uh, to go and stand on the sidelines of football games. And you made more money than I did. I, yeah, well, it was a cooler job, too. It so. was. Uh, but I actually didn't get very many hours a week during certain parts of the year because a football game is only about three hours long. And I'd only charge for about another two hours of writing. So every time I got to go to work, which you know was only once a week, right? These football games are only played on Friday night. I was only making about 50 bucks a week during football season, but baseball and basketball season, I was rolling in it, you know, because those games are like two or three in a week and, you know, all these schools have them on different days. So I was actually able to get around and log a lot more hours that way. Uh, That's a big part of the reason why I ended up playing football too, because all of a sudden I'm on the sidelines and I just got caught up in it and thought, man, I'm tired of writing about this. I want to go play. How old were you when you were doing this? Uh, I had that job freshman and sophomore year of high school. So, so I got to tell, I got to tell the ladies. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a writer. Oh, I get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, I have a job. Yeah, I get make my own money. No, I, I don't spend signs, man. I write. I'm a writer. That was so cool. Yeah, he it had was. Some game. It was pretty cool. You had so much uh, game. And interestingly, I had done some writing for free before I actually got that job there was an even smaller little newspaper that used to just come in your mailbox you didn't ask for it they just sent it to you it was called the temecula bugle and when i was gosh i was 13 might not even have been 13 i called them and said hey i would love to go write a feature about the the elsinore storm uh would you guys publish it if i did that and they said well sure send us something and we'll publish it so then i called the storm I'm this young kid. And I yeah. told him, yeah, I'm with the Temecula Bugle. You are such a different person I need, than I was. <laughs> I need a press pass for a couple of games. 
And, you know, they probably just hooked it up because I was so young and it's like, hey, let's do something nice for this kid. Or maybe kid. they just didn't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe not. You didn't, like, say, hey, I'm 13. No. I told were... him, my name's Charles. I'm with the Temecula Bugle. I just need a press pass for a couple games. Yeah. You know, we're going to write a feature about the storm. So they gave me my press pass. I got to sit up in the press box. Very nice little, like, leather seats. They bring you dinner and a soda and... You know, I'm just taking all my game notes, and I'm up there with actual pros, guys from the Press Enterprise, you know, I think maybe the Union Tribune. Do you think we could do that now? Just write them a letter and be like, or call them up or whatever, and just be like, hey, we're uh, we're professional, uh, <laughs> whatever. Can we come sit in on a game? I mean... Get free dinner? If we... Maybe I'll have a little That only pad. worked because I had some kind of... I had some kind of credential, right? I was able to say I'm with blah 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 newspaper i mean we can say that now we might be able to say hey um <laughs> we we have this we have this oh, we little have this, podcast yeah you know uh and yeah we we want to talk about our our local minor league baseball team if we like what we see maybe we'll invite the coach on and he'll get so much publicity for your little team yeah we might so much that. publicity yeah so anyway i got to go to the game and took my notes i got to be there with other pros and then after the game, I got to go down into the locker room and interview players. And, you know, really, for these couple of nights that I was there, live and work like a real journalist, like a real sports writer. So that got published. I wrote so much that it took up, I think, almost an entire page of this newspaper, which is a lot for a sports feature. But that was my writing sample that I took to the interview at the Valley News. And yeah. I said, yeah, I've... I've got a writing sample. Here you go. Wow. And the editor saw it and went, well, <laughs> sure. Were you any Ten good? Bucks an hour. Do you think you were good at writing your stories? I have actually gone back and read them. And You uh, still have them. I still have some of them. We need to post these. And according to Associated Press standards, no, I oh, wasn't. No. Because I was young and I had this idea that, oh, when you write about it, you're really trying to tell the story of what the experience was like, and didn't so it's very. Write, didn't you write one about World of Warcraft? Yeah, I'll get to that. All right. So it was very sensory, and I'm you know explaining the narrative of this game, and then I get into the stats and all that stuff later. When really, what they want is just a straight shot of the facts. You know, yeah. at this time on this day, these two teams played. The quarterback threw for this many yards. The running back ran for this many yards. Here is the score. Here's generally how it went. You know, they don't want all this flowery language. They don't want you they don't want like, you to tell the drama. Yeah, you, know? you weren't wearing like a fedora and like smoking a cigarette or anything, were you? No, I was a fat kid with long curly hair and a t-shirt. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, I had that job uh, actually all throughout high school, but then I would quit junior Senior year and junior year, I quit during football season so I could go play. So that was my first gig. Now, the World of Warcraft thing came up. There used to be a website. Maybe it's still there. I don't know. But there was this website called CheatCC.com. Oh, yeah. Cheat Code Central. Now, we're all nerds here, so maybe some of us have used it before. But uh, at one point, they started posting reviews. And it's not like they had a writing staff, so they were taking submissions. You know, you had to submit a writing sample so they knew that you were halfway competent. So I would send them a bunch of my sports stuff and said, hey, I work for this newspaper. Would love to start writing about games because I love video games. Yeah. And I straight up lied to them and told them I had all the latest consoles and a gaming PC. I had none of those things. You were also a model employee. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they wrote me back and they said, OK, well, we want you to do the featured article 
in the next issue of uh, Beckett's Cheat Codes, which was a magazine that is probably out of publication now. We want you to do the featured article about World of Warcraft Burning Crusades, which was their first expansion. And, uh, you know, it's got to be so many words. We want this and that out of it. And I said, okay. And then I think I bummed 20 bucks off my parents and I went to a PC cafe, logged into someone else's account and played it for about two hours. And that was the basis of my review were wow. those two hours running around playing this game. There is no way you had I, sufficient data for this. Well, I cranked out like two pages about oh, it. What? What did you what did well, you accomplish in two hours that you could write enough? I wrote about how alive the world was and uh, how So you brought in all that fancy foo foo stuff. I mean kinda, yeah, but you know, I just wrote about how like vibrant and alive the game world is, how you could you know, experience so many environments in one sitting. And I, you know, I wrote nothing about the technical aspects of it, whether it was challenging or how different it was from the original or anything like that. Cause I had no information about that. I had no context. So it was all just about experiencing it and what the experience is like and what it looks like and how it works and how approachable it is and blah, blah, blah. And they ran it. Uh, wow. So I got an email a couple of weeks later that said, hey, yeah, we're going to run that article. That's our featured article this month. And I ran down to the Walmart on Highway 79, found a copy of it. Actually had told my mother who was living in Tennessee to look for it, and she found it. So yeah. it was published across the country. Wow. Uh, and Walmart was selling it. And I actually grabbed a copy. I had no money. And I went to one of the cashiers, and I said, listen, I don't have any money. I'm only a sophomore in high school, but this is my article. I wrote this. Can I just take this? And the cashier just let me walk out with it. Really? Yeah. Well, that she was said, nice. well, it is technically stealing, but you know what? Just go ahead and take it. Like, we're not going to, we're uh, not going to come after you. Sure. Yeah. Said, okay. You see the quality of employee that they have at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Probably at Best Buy too. Do you remember anybody you worked with at your first job? Do you remember who your bosses were? No, nah, I don't really remember. I do remember faces. I can still visualize what some of my coworkers looked like. Don't remember any names, uh, but there was one guy who worked in uh, the computer department, which actually I wanted to move into because I found out that they actually made more money. Because at the time, I think we actually made, in the computer department, commissions on your sales, and you did not get that in the media department. Um, but yeah, he actually, he's the one who got me hooked up on, uh, hooked on uh, Band of Brothers, that HBO series with, uh, I think Tom Hanks directed it. He wasn't acting in it, but I think yeah. he was part of, I think it was him and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe. it was just Steven Spielberg. I mean, that was Saving Private Ryan, right? Tom Hanks is in that. Spielberg directed it. Yeah, but this they, HBO did, they thing, did a series together called The Pacific. Okay, that was the same people. Okay. They just yeah, did there the was a show. Band of Brothers was a show, yeah. Yeah, Band of Brothers came first. It was like 10 episodes or something, and then they did The Pacific Rim. Um, Pacific Rim is. Nah. About giant robots. The Pacific fighting. Theater. Yes. That's what there I meant. There you go. Uh, anyway, so yeah, he had like a big projector at his house, and I got to watch it on the wall and all huge and like sound system. It was pretty cool. And unfortunately, I'm the kind of person that like I don't keep very many friends. So like I, I usually have like two or three that I'll hang out with consistently. I'm just not a guy that has a whole lot of like a big group of friends. Um, 
So if I'm not like regularly in communication with somebody, it kind of just drops off. And there's probably a lot of people that I need to apologize to for that fact because I know that like I've had really deep, meaningful relationships with with people that I just kind of drop because they moved away or I moved away or whatever the reason is. So sorry if uh, if you're one of those people. Um, but yeah, there, I don't really remember much more than that, at least for that job. That job was also yeah. a really short stint. So it's not it's not like you had a lot of opportunities to really learn much from your bosses or really learn much even through working there. I know? learned I didn't like people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Which I mean, remains true. To I learned I didn't day. like the general public. Yeah. People are great. The public is crazy. So you did a little self-discovery there. That's good. Sure. That's actually that reminds me of a great line from Men in Black. Um a person is smart. People are dumb, dangerous animals and you know it. Yes, that sounds right. What other jobs have you had other than Best Buy? Well, after that, I ended up getting a job through my stepdad. He worked for like a startup company in Escondido, and I worked in their warehouse. And that job I actually had for like five years. And that one was a pretty sweet gig. Um, that's the one where I filmed my awesome scary movie. It really was an American classic. It, it should be. I don't know why I didn't get any awards or any money, but it was a great movie. And that that job in particular probably had the most on my young life as far as like helping me to discover what kind of person I can be in in like a work environment. Like that one I got to experience just doing manual labor, you know. Everybody needs to probably every guy probably should experience a little bit of that to see just how much it sucks. Or enjoy, you know, some people might enjoy manual labor. Um, and then I got to get a little bit of experience with management. And I, through that five-year period, I went from just being like a box guy and loading up pallets worth of boxes to actually being the shipping manager by the time I was done there. Um, so I got a lot of experience through that. I met a lot of interesting people. I do remember my boss from that. Um, he was actually a really great guy. I went through a lot of stuff dealing with me, I will say. Uh, Got to work with my brother, because it was his dad, so it was my stepbrother. Uh, He worked there for with us for a while, and um, I got to, yeah, actually, funny enough, I actually became pretty good friends, so much so with our UPS driver that he came to my bachelor party. Huh. His name was See, his name was Gary. And here you're like, oh, I don't like the general public. And but he's not a general public. He was a guy I saw every day in the general public. Rex, that's why it's called the general public. Whatever. He was it's a guy not, I saw it's not the specific every day. Public. It's not the exclusive public. It's he didn't the general like, public. He didn't like force himself on me like it feels like sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. He was just he was a really laid back UPS driver. He was the coolest dude. We played so many pranks on him. Like one time we packed up one of my coworkers in a box and tried to get Gary to pick him up. Got him he got the box all the way into the truck before we're like, Okay, wait, you can't actually ship my coworker. We gotta get him out of there. I ordered one I ordered that guitar, actually, um, from musician's friend and I had it shipped to that address at work. And Gary, 
knew what it was. He knew me enough to know what it was. And obviously it just says like guitar center, musician's friend on the box or whatever. But when he dropped it off, he hit it. So he dropped it off at the building and I knew it was coming. I had the tracking number. I was super excited. I was like, I want my guitar. This is the first one that I'm really buying for myself. Like now that I know what kind of guitar I want, um, what kind of guitar is cool to me. Um, I was super excited. I saw that it was coming. I knew he was going to bring it by. He drives up. He managed to like hide it before I like, I don't know where I was. I was in the office or whatever. I come out and then I don't see it anywhere. I ask him, I'm like, Gary, did you have this guitar in your shipment for me today? And he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. There was no guitar. This is, you know, just the regular stuff. I'm like, ah, are you sure? Can I look? Can I look in your truck? I'm like, it says right here. And he's like, no, man, it's not there. It's, and I'm like, it says that it's on its way. And then I sit down and I'm all like depressed. And and then as I'm sitting there, uh, I hear some noises behind me. I turn around and then my coworker, he's like holding it up. He's like, ah, and I'm like, you jerks. Uh, but that was good. Yeah, uh, it was good times working there. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to work in a warehouse, don't. But if you can, if that's like the only job you can get, yeah, it can be good. You can yeah. make the best of it. I genuinely enjoy lifting heavy things. Yeah, but you're weird like that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You volunteer to move people. I do. I have. I've missed out on some pretty big moves too, but that's those are other stories for other days. So in my first job, you know, being a, a writer, as I was in my first job. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I like you calling yourself a writer. I mean, I know that's what you did, but were you really? Yeah. Oh. I wrote, dude, I've got bylines on bylines. <laughs> okay. I'm serious, though. You need to get it on the on the website. I'll, we got to get, like, at least one example. I'll dig it up. I'll all dig right. it up. I'll even try to find one that has my picture in it from all those years oh, ago. Oh, yes. that exists I need to see as this. well. But I didn't really get to know any of my other coworkers or my bosses very well because it was really such an independent job. You know, my, my editors would just tell me, okay, here's where you need to go. Uh, here's the game I want you to report on. You know, here's your slate of work for the week. And then when the story was done, I'd email it to them. And that was the extent of our communication. They really didn't even give me much feedback about the writing, which they probably should have been doing because, again... It was awful. Well, I mean, these sound like they were quality newspaper companies. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so in my first job, really not a lot of community there. But my second job was going into the Army. Yeah. So I've had a pretty unorthodox career path. You know, my first job was writing at a young age. Then I'm in the military. Then I got out, actually started my own company for a little while doing photography. Really? I got into FM radio. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Got into FM radio, uh, and then from there, you know, I've bounced around to some other jobs. I've worked at Trader Joe's for about three weeks. I, I've been a teacher, a digital photography teacher. Oh, that's right. I was a substitute teacher at a Christian high school for a little while, and uh, I worked for Health and Human Services for about eight months. What are the credentials? Professional basketball player. Oh, and, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, which, again, we'll get to all that later. And then finally arrived at the the church with a job you know the salary opened up on staff they said hey you know we can pay you this much and yeah between that and what the va was chipping in it was like just enough that my wife and i could make it so i was finally yeah. able to say yes to that but so that's kind of my whole career path and mixed in there are so many fruitful relationships with loving co-workers uh so many invitations to friendship and mentorship with others 
revered, treasured relationships with superiors who became mentors, you know, but were bosses all along. Um, most of which actually have lived outside of my job at the church, to be honest. So yeah. the two... The two sergeants I had when I went to Afghanistan in the Army remain friends to this day. Uh, one of them lives out in New Hampshire, and when my wife and I went east, we stayed with them for a little while, so we're still really close. Uh, we actually talked today because it was Veterans Day. But nice. he came along. So about the same age you were at Best Buy, that's the age I was on deployment. And he came along right at that pivotal time when I was really in need of a mentor father figure type person to step into my life because I really didn't have that in my natural family. Uh, He came in and showed me what it means to be a man, to take pride in your work, to be a professional, you know, and and I could have gone one way, right, because I'm surrounded by all these other soldiers in the barracks and a lot of them are horsing around and they're kind of telling me what it means to be a man, to be an adult. I could have gone that way, you know, sort of the partier, slacker direction, crazy sort of frat environment, right? Right. Which Uh is a lot of what the barracks is. But instead, this guy comes along and he says, you know what? Why don't you try coming this way for a little while? Why don't you try coming this way where you learn to take pride even in just sweeping out the office? Where you learn the value of your work and your place in this team and, and how to be responsible and how to love being this responsible adult. And I decided, yeah, that's the direction I wanted to go. And we got so close. We spent so many nights, late nights, working together on stuff for our office. He'd send me out on assignments. And, you know, it was always nice to know that even if nobody else cared, there was at least one person who was in charge of me who cared whether or not I made it back from that mission, who was concerned about my health and well-being while I was away, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a big part of the reason why we're still friends to this day. So he just taught me so much and that relationship was so important to me, you know? Uh, and ultimately he was just my boss. Yeah. You but know? more. Yeah. Then get out of that. Like I said, I, I went on to start my own little photography company. So while I was in the army, I had the opportunity to be really what I'd say is classically trained in photography. Both of my sergeants were master photographers and then, It was incredible to me, but the Department of Defense had this program where they would send a specialist to our office. And he came and hung out with us, I think, for at least an entire month, maybe more, just teaching me every day about all this advanced photography stuff, properties of light, how light works, how to use all these different tools, how to set up a shot, what to do, you know, how to how to really capture the perfect picture, how to get this effect, how to get that effect. You know, how to perfect your picture before you go into Photoshop so that you don't have to spend so much time in editing. I mean, it was really mind-blowing stuff. So I stored all that information, invested in my own equipment, because when you deploy and you come back, if you're smart, you'll come back with some money in your pocket. Right. So I came back, invested in all my own equipment, got out of the Army a couple years later, started my own little photography business. Uh, It's actually called Mr. Photographer, which remains my name on Xbox Live to this day. Really? Okay. So I did that for a couple of years, doing senior portraits, weddings, things like that, you know, pregnancy photos. Do you still have your equipment? I actually gave a lot of it away um, because I I wound up not loving photography as much as I thought I would, you know. You didn't get to talk enough. No, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) There were certain things about it. There are certain things about it that that I still really enjoy. 
Um, I enjoy teaching others how it works, how their camera works, how they can get better shots, how to use light, especially how to use flash guns and, and how to make the light work for them to get unique effects, get unique shots. You know, I enjoy the experimental edge of the art form, stuff like long exposure, um, you know, going into a pitch black room and just using your flash guns to paint with light and make a picture happen. You know, I love all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, if I could do that, I probably still would have it as a hobby, but I did, like I said, give a lot of that stuff away, uh, actually to another photographer who was starting out, but really what tanked the business and what may have soured me on the industry as a whole was at some point, we'll say around 2012, 2011, 2012, the price point of these DSLR cameras really drops because now these fancy Nikon D200s, 300s, they've been around for a few years. You know, you can buy kits with them and a bunch of flashes and light sands and stuff on eBay for, you know, four or $500. Next thing I know, every stay-at-home mom in the Inland Empire yeah. is a wedding photographer. Yeah. But they haven't gotten any training. They're not paying for the insurance to shoot on site anywhere, which I was because legally you're supposed to, yeah. right? But what do they care? The property owner's never going to know. They're just going to roll up in their van, take a couple pictures, and go home. Uh, you know, they're not... It's not on accident that a lot of those little fly-by-night photography businesses will only shoot you on site. It's because they don't have any of the equipment to control the light on their own. Right. So it has to be at sunset or sunrise in this wheat field somewhere, you know, because that's the only <laughs> way they know how to make it look good, right? Because right. they don't have the light stands and the flash guns and the light covers and the reflector umbrellas and all that stuff. Right, yeah. So the market just gets oversaturated to the point where I have customers coming to me saying, well, I see your price, but this person's going to shoot my wedding for 80 bucks. Can you beat that? No, I can't. No. Oh, and by the way, they're also going to give me a flash drive with all the pictures on it so I can print them at my house. Are you going to do that? No, I'm not. Mm. So I got kind of crowded out and priced out of it and eventually just said, you know, maybe I don't love this as much as I thought I did. Uh, and that was the end of my photography business. Well, but that's, that's sad. I'm sorry that happened to you. Eh, it happens. But, you know, that's the free market for you. And I love the free market, so I'm not going to regret losing that. But, uh, yeah. Simultaneous with that, I had been interning at a couple different radio stations and finally got picked up. One of them is right here in Temecula. So that's uh, where you practiced your smooth radio voice. I don't know that I even have one, but if I do... Do your best radio voice. Okay, I'm going to have to try to... Get into character? Yeah. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. This is Run Amuck with Rex and Chuck. Oh. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Rex has compelled me to do this because I'm not sure he really believes that I was ever on the radio. <laughs> that's that's too smooth. Yeah. Tone well, it down. You know, it varies depending <laughs> on what station I work on, right? So when I right, yeah. when I worked at my first civilian station, it was 101.3 FM uh, right here in Temecula. They call it the Mix, right? It's a total mom station. It's, it was perfect for you. I guess. I mean, it was <laughs> 80s and 90s pop, which actually... I started doing FM radio while I was still in the Army in Italy, working for a station called the American Forces Network in Vicenza, Italy. And we played a lot of the same kind of music. You know, it was, I mean, just the worst stuff. You'd bounce from Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus mm. to Something by the Bangles to Vogue by Madonna to Katy Perry. All right. So I wasn't all, exactly. All your top 
your top favorite artists. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't exactly in paradise with the music selection. <laughs> but, you know, I did enjoy it. And I was excited to be back on the air and to do all the audio editing, which I really love doing. Yeah. Uh, to program music in, to learn more about the industry outside of my military experience. So I interned for about a year at that station doing weekend shifts, right? So I would have to do the retro weekend. I really got to know songs like Straw or Raspberry Beret uh, really well, you know, Night Writer and all this other stuff. Ooh, Night Rider. Yeah. Not the TV show. Oh, or never just, mind. Or sorry, not Night Rider, Night Ranger. Oh, uh, so yeah, I got to know, all, I've obviously forgotten them now, but at the time I got to know all these 80s songs and 70s songs really, really well. A lot of Huey Lewis in the news give stuff. Us, give us three seconds of a song. She wore a raspberry beret. <laughs> oh my! Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so and I got that, to, that is why I am the worship leader. Yeah. So I got to know all these really terrible songs yeah. quite well, mm-hmm. and honestly, couldn't afford to work for free after about a year. Or so gave them an ultimatum: Hey, either hire me for real, or I'm going to go somewhere else. Had no idea where I was going to go. Uh, but they ended up saying no, and thankfully, up in Redlands, uh, 96.7 KCAL picked me up, which was a hard rock, classic rock there station. There we go. So then I really was having fun. Yeah. Now, I was not a believer at the time. Let me preface it with that. I would not take that job now. No? You don't no. think so? No, I mean, because it's... You the could, station had this... You I, could be the light that that station needs. I guess, dude, but... I just, I had to do so many weird things there and it was not uncommon that I would get to work and I'd go into my office and someone is getting body painted like right in front of my desk. It was just that kind of place and it was that kind of job. And I can understand the level of being uncomfortable. This is like 2012, 2013. So let's see how am I 31. So, you know, 24 year old me is in love with it because here i am working at this hard rock station i'm surrounded by all this debauchery and craziness you know right yeah uh and i got to use a lot of my own creativity right so i got to come up my my job was coming up with a lot of contests and giveaways and then helping to make them happen along with my boss who really ran that department and i just loved it right because i got to use my imagination and how do we want to give away this prize well how are we going to get prizes for this contest the super bowl's coming up what do we want to do right and as a testament to my expertise uh i hear on that station still sometimes some of the ideas i helped come up with yeah still in use today all these years later yeah so that was a pretty fun job went up to ventura in the same industry and hated it hated working for a bigger company it was no longer was it clear channel uh, no, it oh. was uh, one of their main competitors called Cumulus, and it was uh, just awful. It was big corporate, small budgets, you know, yeah. watching me like a hawk all the time. I just hated it. And I was salary Sal- exempt, which meant they could work me, you know, 18 hours a day, and I never made any overtime or anything. Oh. And I just hated it. I didn't even really like Ventura. You know, it's supposed to be this beach city paradise. Well, turns out I don't really like the beach that much. <laughs> just a bunch of sand yeah it's not everything it's cracked salt water me. i hate sand seagulls course, and it gets everywhere but <laughs> uh then i you know from there escaped ventura went down to palm springs same industry um and that was my last radio job. And that was more sand yeah it was less water four months into that job i got laid off and actually on the drive home i'd been a believer for maybe five months and on the drive home i felt like i had this very real encounter with god 
where I just knew that's the last day of my radio career and it's over and it's fine that it's over because he's got something else for me. And then things at Rock Ridge developed really fast. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was back in school because I had taken about a year off of college yeah. uh, to allow my career to grow. And the rest, as they say, is, is history. It feels like it's been really fast-moving history at that. Yeah. And, and now here I am. And, you know, we might look back on this podcast and wonder, what was the point of telling all these stories does it benefit anybody to know that Rex once worked in a warehouse and that I did all this crazy radio stuff and, and now I'm a pastor? I guess not on its face, but what I hope that we've heard along the way, these are stories These are stories about communities, about relationships that Rex and I have been sent into. And maybe we didn't realize it at the time, but these were mission fields that we were sent into. We weren't missionaries, probably, um, but this is a theology of work, right? This is this is an understanding of the workplace as as a place that we we exist as God's loved, formed and sent people, where we make relationships, where we sometimes have mentors. Sometimes maybe we are the mentor, and God has sent us there, and we can continue to live out our calling as God's people in these places. Yeah, it's a place that we have to be. It's a place that we make money for being in. Ultimately, it's our job and there's work to be done. But you bring with you a kingdom ethic into these places that dictates how you're going to treat people, especially if you're in a position of leadership, especially if you are that mentor to somebody. I hope that all makes sense. But but that's really the importance of stopping to talk about, about work and about the relationships we had in our workplaces. Um, you know, I, I pastor now. I never expected to be one. Really, I never expected to do ministry for a living until I was doing ministry for a living. Yeah. Until the day it happened, I never thought that that would happen in my life, right? Um, it's not something I ever aspired to do when I was younger. Remember, I wanted to be WWF World Heavyweight Champion until I was like 15. I thought you still do. Yes, but Secretly. it's no longer a realistic career goal. Okay. Okay. And until I was fifteen, it sounded much more realistic. You thought you were going to make it happen. Well, I thought I I could. I definitely thought I had the in ring skills to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you. Um, so you you didn't actually really have a position at a at a place while being a Christian then. Or other than that one last radio place at, in Palm Springs? Yeah, I, I was a brand new believer there. Um, when I worked at Health and Human Services, I was actually in seminary at that time, had just started seminary, and was known publicly in that office space as a, as a believer, as someone who helped pastor at his church, as someone who wanted to pastor full-time. Okay. Um, so was there ever an opportunity that you were able to take to talk about it with coworkers? Oh, several. So to to give people a more full understanding of this story, this was a rehabilitation facility that the federal government managed that was supposed to be for Native American adolescents who were trying to get off of alcohol and drug abuse, right? So they were supposed to be young addicts 
And my job was to work with them every day to ensure that they were safe, to ensure that they were doing schoolwork and keeping themselves clean and making progress towards getting clean. So I went into this job thinking I'm going to get to work with these underprivileged kids who maybe need a positive, especially positive male influence in their life. Like, this is going to be so awesome. I had just started reading Henry Nouwen, who had left prestigious jobs in academics to go and serve uh, a mentally handicapped population in Canada. So I sort of related with his journey. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is going to be my opportunity to really pour into these kids who need it so badly. And then I got the job. And it dawned on me that there's no kids at this facility because the facility's not open. And the facility never did open. The whole time you worked there, they never opened their doors to the kids. In the eight months I worked there, I never saw a single kid. I barely saw other employees because I was the first one hired. Aside from like the top two ladies running the place, I was the first employee that they hired. And a security guard. So me and a you, security guard. So who did you get to talk with? Well, the other employees, because, you know, they, they would come to know that I was a believer pretty quickly. Um, you know, it, it's pretty simple to get that out there when people ask you, well, what do you do when you're not here? And you get to say, well, I help preach and teach and, and pastor and teach Sunday school at my church, you know. Uh, so that comes out pretty quickly. But my door was always open and people would come in and they knew I was doing schoolwork in there because I'd always go to my boss's office in the morning and I'd say, well, what do you have for me? And she'd sort of look at me and just go and throw her hands up into the air, <laughs> shrugging her shoulders. And I would tell her, okay, well, I'm going to go to the office down the hall and do seminary homework for a while. If you can think of anything you need, feel free to give me a holler. And I'd go down the hall and I'd start writing papers or whatever else I was doing. A lot of reading, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and all the other employees knew I was doing it. So they'd come and stop by because they were bored too. They'd showed up to work with nothing to do. And they yeah. didn't even have the homework to fall back on. Nobody else was in school at the time. Yeah. So they would just come and ask me, well, what are you writing about? You know, because cool. they're just trying to fill time. Yeah. And I'd get to say, well, well, uh, I, I have to read this commentary about the Psalms. And right now I'm reading about Psalm 48 and I'm going to write a short response to it. And by the way, it says this and this and this. And I think this part over here was really interesting. And there's a command to go and do history over here. And, you know, wow, isn't that really fascinating? Aren't the Psalms so beautiful? And it didn't gain a lot of traction with people who weren't believers already, but there were a few believers there who, because they got to know me and they knew that I was on this journey, would come into my office asking spiritual questions. Oh, okay. I'm in this relationship and this just happened. What do you think I should do? My child said this to me yesterday. What's a godly response? What should I do here? And I became sort of the pastor to the small group of believers who were at this facility, wow. right? Now, everybody's job was essentially service-oriented, so there actually was a, a high amount of Christians who were there. These were people who had a heart to serve these kids, and so they'd come and, and they'd ask me things, and, and I got to sort of be their teacher and be a guide to them in that time. And then the minute the church came calling and said, hey, you know, we, we can bring you on full-time, um, I said, okay, health and human services, uh, thanks for the time and the space to do my work and all that basketball I got to play on my long lunch breaks. Yeah. But I think I'm done here. Yeah. Okay. I actually, so right before our men's retreat started, I came back into town to pick up a sweater because I didn't have one. Uh, I finally own one now. 
And on my way out of the parking lot, I'm pulling out of my parking spot and there's someone walking behind me. It was someone who works at that facility. It was one of the other employees who was there while I was there. So Uh I actually got to ask him, hey, did that facility ever open? Because we recognized each other. I rolled my window down and we talked. and said, did it ever open? He goes, yeah, it's full of kids now. You should see it. So it is finally up and running. And praise the Lord, there are young Native Americans who are finding their way to a life free from drug and alcohol abuse. Thank God. You know, it's finally being used for what it was intended to. Yeah. And uh, frankly, it, it didn't need me taking up space on the basketball court. So you broke the net in. I did. I did. Yeah. <sighs> broke it in and get really got it ready. Got yep. it battle worn because I yep. took a lot of shots on that court. <laughs> Missed a lot of shots on that court, actually. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was another place where I formed really meaningful relationships with almost everybody who worked there because we had nothing but time. So even the security guards, you know, who were part-time on the weekends, I got to know them really well. One of them came to our church a few times, and uh, he was an older fella who actually told me, you know what, I would go to church here, but my wife doesn't like the tent. Well, so, you might have to get in contact with him. I might have to. We only have one more weekend That's in the That's true. Tent. Now, how, how much does that blow your mind, that this one coming Sunday is your last Sunday? I don't know if I believe it. You don't know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when when we do service on the twenty fourth. Yeah, yeah. In in the building, if that happens, yeah. then I'll believe it. That that's when I'm gonna lose it. I think yeah. not lose it, but I'll I'll uh I'll be standing there and being like, wow, it really happened. Yeah, that'll be a nice day. Yeah, well, we're gonna have some uh, some moving to do. I think of some sound stuff and some wires and everything to yeah. to get that ready. But but yeah, anybody out there who's listening. November 24th, please join us at Rockridge Church as we open our new modular building for the first time, doing a service there. Mike and I will nail something together that we can tag team for sure. Um, It's a new chapter in the life of our church. So even if you haven't been with us for some time, if you've been on the periphery thinking about it, if you even just live in our area, um, and if there's members here listening, who, who are presently thinking of someone who they'd like to bring along. You know, it's it's an all-open invitation. We want to pack the house wall to wall. Uh, we even want to fill up the tent with overflow. So, mm. hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come to our new building and stand in the tent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have chairs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this Sunday's the last one. All right. Well, last question. Is this the part where you're going to try to stump me? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to do a new right. segment. Yeah. Let's let's intro this. So this is a new feature that Rex has decided uh, he, he thinks would be fun, where he is going to ask me, I assume, obscure kinds of questions to see if he can stump me, because somehow there's this perception that I just know so much. I guess I am a Trivial Pursuit champion. Yeah. Everyone I have ever talked to who has played Trivial Pursuit with you has said that Chuck is a monster and don't go up against him. They had to invent special rules so that I wouldn't just dominate the field. And then I did anyway. For every one that somebody else got right, you had to get like five right. Something Something along those three. Okay. So it was a little bit like I imagine playing basketball one-on-one against Michael Jordan. Well, this is going to be a little embarrassing because you're going to get this wrong. I might. And I specifically chose this in hopes that you would get it right, because you're such an American history buff. I picked a question from American history. All right, here Let's we go. Let's see if you can uh, get this answer. Here we go. All right. 
Independence Day was first established as a holiday by Congress in what year? Oh, no. Independence Day was first established. Is it multiple choice? <laughs> uh, it could have been, but I skipped that so I could see the answer. Okay. I guess I, I should have waited. I actually don't know this, so I would almost have to just take a blind guess. I gave you a time frame. Yeah. So it was post-Civil yeah. War. But pre-turn of the century. But pre-turn of the century. So it's not the 1890s. No. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. 1876. Oof. 1870. Ah! All right. I, I thought stumped. maybe for like the 100th anniversary... They would have made it an official holiday, so I gave it my best <laughs> that shot. That was a good. That was a good guess. Uh, good try. All right. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe. 1870. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations, Rex. You've officially stumped me. I You're did. successful in your mission. So we'll, we'll keep a tally. Yeah. We'll see how many you get over the the many weeks of this Nate, podcast. Where should listeners submit questions if they'd like to submit some of their own? Well, that is a great question. So um, you can contact us at uh, rarcpodcast at gmail.com, or you can use the new address associated with the website, which is info at rarcpodcast.com, or contact at rarcpodcast.com. We try to make it simple. Um, And, of course, the website is, well, obviously, rarcpodcast.com. So check it out there. Um, Follow us on social media as well. Same uh, same username same uh, handle if you will um and of course facebook instagram twitter those are all there so at r-a-r-c podcast is where i would go yes sir okay and uh we were dead serious about that open invitation for people to join us uh rockridge church is located at 32011 scott road in winchester california Again, that's November 24th will be our first service in the new modular building. I just saw it the other day. It's all put together. It's beautiful. Carpet, beautiful. Four walls, beautiful. Uh, There's actually a new door going into it that we... Well, we didn't buy it. It came with the building, but it's being installed. Uh, Again, 32011 Scott Road, Winchester, California. Service starts at 10 a.m., but I do encourage you to come early. We're... uh, Pretty handsome group of folks and pretty friendly, too, and we'd love for you to get to know us a little bit better before service starts. Um, I can't promise that the sermon will be out of this world good, but I think I can promise it'll be better than average. (laughs) I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, If you are listening to us on your favorite podcast provider, please subscribe. Also, if you are watching us on Facebook Live, go and find us. We are pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to us. That way you'll get notifications on when we put up every episode. We're trying to have them come out every Monday um, at some point during the day. Different ones are releasing at different times, I guess. Um, And I just wanted to say thank you and hope that you enjoyed this podcast. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you again next Monday on Run Amok with Rex and Chuck. Chuck.